I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, Koshi here. Before we get into this episode of The Call, I've got a favor to ask. The bigger the Ausbiz audience, the more we can invest in great content and keep providing quality investment ideas to you for free. If you could just take a minute of your time to leave a review of the call in the Apple Podcast app, it'll help keep our tribe growing. And of course, don't forget to catch up with all the best interviews each day at ausbiz.com.au. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the call. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Call. 60 Minutes, 10 Stocks that you've suggested we have a look at. I put it to an expert panel for their adjudication. I chuck in a stock of the day, something that's uh, been in the news as well. Let's get straight into it. Michael Wayne from Adalian Financial is with us. Michael, how are you? I'm well. Very good. Andrew Page from Strawman, also part of the panel today. Always great to have Andrew on board. All right. Adjudication on the budget for the markets. Any winners? I think it's a very stimulatory budget. So from that yeah. point of view, the economy should do well and, and flow through and support a lot of a lot of businesses vaguely. But I think as we were sort of talking a bit off air, the budget can sometimes be overrated when it comes to financial markets. Um, right. Who knows where things are going to be tinkered in the years ahead when it comes to the budget. So what you see today as being the plan for next year or the year after by next year will be a very, very different set of events. So. Uh, at this point in time, there's not too many right. direct winners that are going to see a sustainable benefit. Well, infrastructure, from it. Would infrastructure. Be well, they say that every, every year. year. They, they oh, boosted yeah, from yeah. 10, yeah, yeah. 10 bill to 13 bill to the fund and all that sort I, of I stuff. I made the comment on Twitter yesterday that, you know, a crap company yesterday is still a crap company today. <laughs> you know, no matter, no matter what <laughs> stimulus like you kind I of like get. That. And, yeah. uh, so yeah. it, it's, it's nice if you've got a little bit of extra wind in your sails, but it, yeah. it, doesn't, it doesn't make a bad investment a good one and vice versa. No, no, no. I would argue. But good to have a strong economy. Oh, sure. Oh, definitely. Forward, is that? Yeah. It looks strong. I couldn't help as I was going through in the lockup, you say, through all the budget papers and low inflation, low wage growth, massive stimulus. I'm thinking, how can they deliver this? Because we've got record job vacancies at the moment, so we can't find enough workers in there. So wage growth must go up and feed into inflation. And I started to veer towards bond markets, saying inflation will come back sooner than we all think, and the Reserve Bank cannot keep official interest rates on hold till 2024. I think that's a really um, sensible thing to think. And I think that's what's rattling markets right now, is yeah. that, you know, we see, we see I that. I don't think this helped. No. This um, budget. It's something to worry about. It, it, it's, it's, this mantra of lower for longer has been a very persistent one, and, and so far a pretty accurate one, but it's just that, it, you can't take that for granted, I think. And if that no. does change, then that's going to have huge impacts to the market, particularly growth stocks, where so much of their value is, is prepositioned on on their earnings five no. and 10 years out and yeah. in the longer term. But just so, investors yeah. who 
Australians who may have overextended themselves buying that house, you yeah. know, believing the Reserve Bank, oh, I've got nothing to worry about for three years. That's that's Big the problem worry. that faces the economy. If we do get a situation where inflation runs hot a lot quicker than we expect, yeah. rates go higher a lot quicker than we expect, and people who have budgeted for certain outcomes certainly have to yeah. change everything. But the thing with rising commodity prices as well, to go to the point with, with labour or lack of supply of certain jobs, is when you've got all your input costs going through the roof, iron ore over 200 a tonne, yeah. you look at all the other commodities, copper, um, it's feeding into the prices of all the goods and services that people buy. Uh, and if you expect prices to move higher, but we thought this maybe a couple of times before over the last decade and inflation hasn't transpired mm. for whatever reason. So I don't think you can sort of tick it off as a fait complete just yet, but you're certainly allocating more exposure to that probability occurring. Okay. Um, and I think you've got to understand when inflation and prices are rising across the board, you can be an average business with no pricing power, but your prices are still going up. So in yeah. that environment, your cyclicals or your more mature average type businesses will do well. Whereas in the environment that we've been in where low inflation, low price growth, it's been these tech businesses that have a pricing advantage and some competitive position yeah. that have been doing well. So they're the ones that are gonna suffer a lot more in an inflationary mm. environment where everyone seems to benefit. Yeah, it's fascinating. Um, so we'll see how it all plays out, but. Of course, keep watching Ausbiz. We'll keep you up to date. All right, before we get into your 10 stocks, I thought I'd take a um, look at one stock in the new push pay out with a stellar update, delivering nearly 180 million US dollars operating revenue, a 40% increase on the prior corresponding period. Net profit, 31 million US dollars, almost double compared to financial year 2020. Company saying it's targeting to increase the appeal of its products to new customers and increase the revenue per customer through innovation, mergers and acquisitions. Of course, uh, Pushpay is uh, a New Zealand sort of originated um, uh, tech business that that basically provides electronic payments for churches um, and a customer relationship. Yes, churches are really getting on board with this, a, a CRM for churches to collect donations uh, digitally. So being hammered though. Yeah, it's it's actually a business that we own for clients and have liked a lot in the past, a lot more in the past than we like at the moment. But we yeah, do think it's right. a good business it's that is my doing- little, My little super fund, and yeah. boy, it has been <laughs> smashed in the last yeah. six months. So we were probably in equivalent, held on. equivalent around $1.90, $2 is sort of where we had clients in, and it's now $1.50 odd. Yeah. But we still continue to like it. The numbers today are very, very good. You know, growing margins, yep. um, they're growing revenues, growing profits, that sort of stuff. But they're going through a period of board renewal and shareholder renewal. So the major shareholders were the Hewlett family, a wealthy New Zealand yep. family who have come out and sold down a big chunk of their position. Uh, that's a share split that's caused that right. extreme yes. decline. So it's not as bad as, yeah. as it seems Four there. For one. And yeah. we saw today the chairman's resigned. So we're just continuing to see the renewal of this business. They've definitely matured a lot. They've emerged from a startup to an established player. Yeah. For a long time, they're winning a lot of market share in the US, but it does seem that one of the key metrics, which is a little bit concerning, is a number of new churches that they're signing on yeah. grew at about 2%, which is quite low compared to what yeah. they were doing a while back. So that's one area that we wanna see pick up as we come out of this COVID period. 
but the, their software is applicable to other areas potentially. So right. once they've tapped the faith-based industry, mainly churches, they can move to other faith-based organizations and their application can be used in other areas too eventually, such as you know ticketing, et cetera. Um, however, for now, we think it's more of a, a hold because right. we want to see that overhang of the stock being sold down dissipate and we want to see boards settle on their new structure. And is the new executive team good? It's been okay, but it's, I think today we get an, another update. The chairman's stepping away. They're going to have to find a replacement for right. him at the board level, a new chairman. So there's a bit of a mm, process okay. to go through there. So that's why it's a hold, not a buy. But we, we do, uh, generally speaking, like the business. Okay. All right. I like it too. Yeah. Um, I've held it for years. Really? Uh, you know, since the 80 cent mark on a stock adjusted basis, it's been in one of the top ranked stocks on strawman.com for, right. for years. Did yeah. a bit of 40% compound return for us uh, over the years. An exceptional business. Um, so I won't repeat everything that Michael said. Customer growth is, is the concern there, uh, only 2%. Um, they're guiding for operating profit growth is around about 12%. Uh, in the year ahead, um, which is you know, double digit uh, earnings growth is great, but it's perhaps not as much as the market would have liked to have seen. Right. That has been dampened a little bit. They're investing uh, somewhere between six and eight million into uh, the Catholic sector. Right. Uh, I don't think that will be as lucrative as the evangelical sector, this mega church area where they where they focus. <laughs> well, they don't, don't donate as much. Comments. Catholics <laughs> don't donate as much as the uh, Evangelical is that uh, what you're saying? That's what I'm saying. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, well, one is one is potentially. Oh, I'm going to get in trouble. There's <laughs> that bolt of lightning that's come down. <laughs> I'm going straight to hell. One is potentially much more monetary oriented than the other. Although they are all organised so religions, very diplomatic, and they all like a bit of cash, and, and they've got a really good um, value proposition. So I still think it is a buy. I actually lowered my my uh, fair value calculation a bit today. But I think it's in there. When you when you look at um, the per share earnings of this business, it's on a PE of about 41. Super uh, strong balance sheet, dominant market position. Definitely, I, I agree with with the risks that, that Michael highlighted. But I, I would probably so you're argue, a buy. Yeah, I'm, a, well, I'm, I'm, I'm not personally because I've already I've now? already got enough. Uh, if I had some more cash, I'd be tempted right. to. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a it's a major holding of mine. It has been for a long time. I'm always a long term player, so I'm 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 looking out the next five ten years. Okay. Uh, I think it's a good opportunity. Okay. All right. Uh, good discussion there. Let's get into the uh, 10 stocks that you've suggested we have a look at. And uh, Michael, Ed wants a view on Monodelphus, the, uh, mm -hmm. the big services company, yeah. mining services company, yeah. and uh, into infrastructure as well. That's right. So probably up there with Wally Parsons as the preeminent Australian mining services businesses. Uh, it's been a a decent performer over a long period of time, Monodelphus, and they're benefiting a lot at the moment from the boom that we're seeing in the iron ore space. Um, so that can be a good thing, but with that comes a lot of negatives as well in that there's a lot of competition at the moment for those types of jobs. Because what's happening is everyone's extracting iron ore from the ground at a, at a rate of knots. Um, yep. They need to replenish their production um, so they go and they develop new mines and Monodelphus benefits from that but then there's a lot of competition for things like labor in the space which pushes up costs and can decrease margins and also just competition from other firms Monodelphus has a history of delivering these projects on time and on budget um, and in an industry where these projects are often allocated to a services company not based on price but based on ability to deliver that puts Monodelphus in a good position 
Uh, but as you can see from that chart, it's never really reclaimed the momentum from the heady days of the mining boom. Um, and I think at the moment, although the S commodity prices are doing very, very well, the, the mining services companies have kind of been squashed in the middle at the moment. So for me, it's it's a, probably a hold to a sell, but it is best of breed in that space. Okay. All right, Andrew? Yeah, as, as always, I'm, I'm going to agree with most of what Michael <laughs> says. Um, it, it's an incredible business, but there's a, there's a real lesson to be had here from the past mining boom. I mean, they were just crushing it uh, back then, figuratively and literally in, in a lot of ways. Um, uh, an incredible business, but a services-based business. And when, and when the, the cycle turns there, we see, um, we see uh, a couple of things. We see a fall in, in the earnings. There's a bit of operating leverage that works against you. And then the market multiple contracts as well because people realize, oh, it's not always up and in a straight line. And that, that's that's why they've not done anything for about five years in terms of the share yeah. price, more or less. Yeah. Um, so yeah, things are looking good for them now. There's going to be a lot of work. They, they were Management's very good here. They were, they were clever to sort of reposition themselves more towards the maintenance style contracts, which is much more lower margin, but much more reliable mm. and, and, and dependable. Yeah. Also moving into other sectors like uh, civil engineering and, re and renewables and that kind of thing. So look, a PE of 20, a bit of, um, a bit of wind at their back at this point in time, given what's happening at Iron Ore. It's not the kind of company I'd go for. So I'll call it a hold. Okay. All right. Hold for Mondo Delphus. Thank you, Ed. Now, Kim wants a view on Talga. I hadn't known much about uh, Talga, Andrew. Uh, uh, it's into uh, building a European source of battery anode and graphene additives. Mm. They uh, have a project development in Sweden as well, into all things. So is this part of that ripple lithium uh, electric vehicle? EVs, sort of, that's yep. the narrative here. Yep. So that's why that's why people are getting super excited about this. I think it's one of those things where, where the narrative is broadly right. You know, there's there's always an element of truth to to um, a lot of hype you see on the market. And electric vehicles are very likely to be a very, very big thing, thing in the future. A lot of the stuff that they're looking to extract and, and process is likely to be in much increased demand. So it's not it's not a silly thesis, but but there's a bit of second order thinking I think you need to go through. So they've they've been around for a while, burning through cash. The number of shares have up quadrupled since 2012. They haven't done anything yet. So this is all about what's going to happen. Right. That being said, so I want that that being said, they've got some really interesting um, uh, sites here. Um, some of their forward-looking statements are calling for uh, annual revenue pre-tax of about 188 million US once this thing gets up and running in a couple of mm -hmm. years' time. So on that basis, adjusting for the FX rate, the business is on about two times sales. So if they can, um, mm -hmm. if they can uh, get this project going, and a lot of these assumptions prove true in terms of demand and pricing, and you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of assumptions mm -hmm. in there. It has to be. It's unavoidable. It's probably okay, but but I would I would suggest it's there's still a lot of risk in there. And the one thing that I'm I'm always cognizant of in this kind of space is that it is whenever there is a strong demand side um, uh, factor, there's always a supply side response. It's just yes. the nature of those those. It attracts kinds other of people into the market to fill the gap. Yeah, yeah. They, they seem they seem cognizant of that, and they say we've got very very well located. You know, they're not in any sort of like there's no uh, political geographic kind of risk there. It's very very high quality um, sites that they have, so it looks really interesting. It looks as though it's got a lot of potential. It's just not my bag in that kind of space, yeah. and and there's a lot of unknowns. So all I would say, so for me, it's it's a pass. 
But I would say for anyone who's buying this on the thematic of electric vehicles and this is what's going to happen, that's great. But give it time for that story to play out. Sure. So often you hear people say, oh, I'm going to buy this because electric vehicles are going to be huge in 10 years time. Three months later, they sell out because the price dropped 20%. It's sort of yeah. like, you know, if that's your thesis, stick to it. Yeah, commit. You know, if your thesis, I think it's going to go up in the next three months and it doesn't, well, okay, that's it. But but you you have to allow for the fact that whatever happens, if this good or bad, it's going to be a bumpy ride. Yeah. It's got, it always is. Yeah. And, and, and you need to sort of see that through if that's the basis of your investment. Yeah. Michael? Um, he's touched upon a lot of good points, um, Andrew over there. But basically, it's a company that didn't do much for a long period of time. Then all these projects were put in the pipeline, so all these expectations being built in the share price. So now it's been going sideways since you know all these projects were announced because the market's going to want to see these projects executed and delivered on time and on budget to go back to that set of words. So they've recently completed a share purchase plan. They've raised more money, which they're going to have to probably continue to do because they don't really have a source of revenue at the moment. Um, and they have oversubscribed for that share purchase plan, which shows big interest and, and big demand for this share. Um, but it's just now a question of execution. If they can execute and then meet the market, which seems mm. to be growing, then they'll do really, really well. If the market for electric vehicles continues to grow, but they don't execute on their strategy, the whole thematic will do very well, but they can still do poorly as a business. So for now, um, it's had that big run up. It's starting to moderate a little bit as the market recalibrates its expectations and wants to see signs of success. So I'll be giving it a a miss until you start to see them hit some of those early targets. And that that execution can take a while too, can't it? That's That's the issue with this. That's right. It can be almost an indefinite ongoing thing. Yeah. Um, but they'll want to see that factory in the Switzerland, in Sweden finished probably before I would look to invest in it because that way it would start to have a source of, of revenue coming through the door, which means it won't have to continue to go cap in hand it's to the market. It's a really interesting exercise to go back with a lot of companies like this and read the ASX releases and presentations from three and four yeah. years ago. And it's the same kind of thing. And it's sort of like, well, we're still expecting that, you know, all this time has passed and, we, and in a lot of ways we're no closer. Yeah. And that it's just these things, they're not, I'm not saying they're crooks or they're incompetent or anything like that. It's just a really hard business. Yeah. And these these projects, huge projects, just take many, many years to develop to and, and bring to fruition. Yep. So you've yep. got to be, if that's your basis, stick with it and give it time. Yep. All right. Uh, Joel wants to view Michael on Janison Education. It's an online enterprise learning and digital assessment um, uh, platform, also in the education technology sector, uh, recently got accredited with the OECD um, as a sole provider in Australia of a school's assessment-based thing. That's sort of like a, a gold standard to uh, to get that imprimatur. Um, interesting. Digital learning. Yeah, I must admit I hadn't seen or heard of this business, Neither but it looks I. to be a good company in a good space. Um, You've obviously heard of IDP Education, which has yeah. been a real sort of success story in that online digital learning type environment. And and this is a company that seems to be benefiting from that thematic as well. Um, they continue to, to sign up these types of contracts. They've got, you know, over 200 Australian schools on a certain program. So it's a company that's, you know, seems to be making a lot per head of student that's completing the tests. Um, but from, from my perspective, I probably need to go away and do a lot more research on it before I buy it. But it's got all the qualities of a company that's emerging in a in a growth space and, and probably worth a, a further look. Okay. Put it on your watch on list. On the watch list for yeah. sure. 
Yeah, there's definitely some really interesting stuff here. I mean, they've, they've benefited from COVID without a doubt, um, given, given the nature of their business. 88% um, platform growth uh, in, in the first half. Uh, sorry, yeah. yes, in the first half, which was, which was really uh, interesting as well. Um, it, I just have, it's very difficult to value companies at this stage because the growth can be much longer and stronger and, and enduring than you expect. And that's yeah. why, you know, businesses that do ultimately exceed, they just always look super crazy expensive and you never yeah. buy in, but they can really grow into that. That being said, um, if 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 they don't, then 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 things can really go the other way. Because you you lose at getting to a critical mass, but once you get to a critical mass, these sorts of things, you know, it, the yield on every dollar coming in can be enormous. It's like it? like it's hot butter, just getting to that level, falling to the bottom line. You know, it just yeah. it, it is like it, um, it's like Microsoft. You know, every copy of Windows they sell it doesn't cost them anything, yeah. right? And it's yeah. the same with this. They've got all the resources there. They sign up the school. And then they, they give them an access code and, and away they kind of go. Um, so I had I tried to dig into this, but the devil's in the detail. But it looks as though they've, they've signed up 200 schools on this PISA program, Program yep. for International Student Assessment, um, 7K per, per school, $1.4 million. That's, that's not bad at all. Um, and they look as though the, the addressable market in Australia, they're saying it's about 19 million for this program. So that's great. Lots, lots of sort of- 19 million people. 19 million dollars. Sorry, sorry. Right. sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. yeah. Um, uh, but shares are on eight times that figure. So now that's just one part of their oh, business. There's other things okay. that they do there, of course, as well. So it, and, and then I had a look at, at the analyst forecast, just what Comsec provides on its site there. So I don't, I don't know the validity of that and who's providing it, but they're sort of saying, look, it's, it's about 1.1 cent per share in 2023. Well, shares are on 70 times that already. Right. So, you oh, know, big it's kind of, I get, I, I think <laughs> the market is right to sort of, um, notice these guys, they look as though they've got very exciting traction, but geez, there's there's a fair bit in the price there. So for me, it'd be a, a, a pass. Right, okay. All right, uh, something a bit better known and somewhat of a, a market darling over the last couple of years. Um, Alan wants a view on NextDC, the big data center um, organization that uh, Bevan Slattery actually founded, didn't just come in and Invest and sent the share price rocketing. He actually did found this. Unlike uh, uh, Pointera, yeah, is the other right. one, yeah, um, uh, which is a day. whole other story, yeah, which, yeah. which we don't go into. So, NextDC is an incredible business. They've grown really strongly over the last yep. few years or so. It's been about, uh, in fact, the revenues doubled in that period of time. What's what you need to be aware of though is that on a per share basis, it's still been pretty good, but it's up. It's up thirty three percent sales over that three you're at 10 percent per year so there, there's been a little bit of dilution along the way it's a rather capital intensive business to find these big these uh, locations to build it up and to run it and of course electricity is the, the big thing for these yeah. guys it costs a fortune to run with all the cooling and powering the racks and all of this kind of stuff so um look uh the latest half revenue was up 27 percent um they uh, they've got. They've managed to fill these data centers pretty effectively, which yeah. is really nice as well. I guess I don't want to sound like a curmudgeonly old value investor here as well, but it just seems as though there's so much in the price here again. So they're uh, they're guiding for 250 million in full year revenue. So you know they're on 20 times that price yeah. to sales basis at, at this point in time. So 20 times revenue. 20 times right. revenue, right. Okay. right? Now growing incredibly strongly, or about 38 if you prefer more. Uh, uh, less talked about measure, the, the enterprise value to EBITDA ratio is about 38. 
it makes it sound a little bit better. Um, but it's it's one of these things I think the market's sort of well aware of the, the quality yeah. and potential of this business. And, and as I always say, you can actually do pretty poorly in a, in a great business if you pay too much. Heck, that was the whole argument against Afterpay at the start of the year. So yeah, nothing yeah. bad to say about the business. Well, not too much bad to say about the business, but geez, $150. And look at what's happened there. So yeah. you, you, you need to pay attention to what you're paying. And I just think at this stage, I wouldn't be selling it if I held it, but right. I wouldn't be adding more at this stage. So hold, okay. hold for me. All right. Uh, Michael, are all value investors curmudgeons? <laughs> I, mean, I don't want to sound like a curmudgeonly <laughs> value investor. Value, Gee, that's a big value is, you know, value is growth at a reasonable price. <laughs> ah, good comeback. Good um, comeback. Next DC is one that we've held for, for a while for clients, going back three, four years, and want to be one of our better well. performers. Yeah. So. It's done, look, it's been at a lot higher price. We could have got out at $14 and been doing a lot better than we are at the moment. Yeah. Um, some clients have started to sell down over the last you know, six months to a year, um, basically because it is very, very expensive. This is a company that has executed uh, extremely well over the last five years. You know, they've built more data mm. centers, built up capacity. Mm. They've effectively got two services. You can be a big corporate or a government and you can use your own data center or your own software and your own hardware in their data center, or you can use NextDCs and sort of lease it off them. Um, the thing is, it's a bit of a land grab this space as well is in that you need to get prime locations need uh, close to critical infrastructure, so close to the Australian Stock Exchange or close to the Houses of Parliament. So we're, we're um, getting down to nanoseconds, nanoseconds the type of, of company. speed, isn't it, for companies? And That's right. A, and also from it's a property play That's because right. they have to build all these properties. But also inside, this is how it's, I've got a son-in-law who builds them. Um, he said, it's like a Westfield shopping center. You've got to get your big key tenants in there. That's it. And then all their suppliers have to come in as well to be close and to yeah. sort of talk, if you like, digitally talk to their, uh, their big, their big customers. Right. So if you're uh, a high people, frequency, trading firm for, for whatever oh, reason, yeah. you're going to be close to the ASX or if you want to be close yeah, to get the releases from the RBA, you know, if you're a trading yeah. firm or a, or a, or a oh, financial huge. services firm, you want that extra couple of nanoseconds so that your algorithms can process the information just that little bit quicker than everyone That's else. And, and it's the same sort of thing. They've got data centers down in Macquarie Park, which is the center of all the business operators in that area. So they've done well and they were first yeah. in many cases to get these prime locations. They've built the centers, done very, very well. Uh, the question is the price. Everyone knows about the thematic. We're consuming more data than ever before. Um, and that's only going to continue in this COVID world. Uh, I think it's a company that long-term will do very, very well, but that's not to stop it from going back to, to $7 from here. All Particularly right. if we do see- say, would you buy on the pullback? I, I would pull, pull, want to buy on a pullback. It's from about, here? Yeah, from here. But if we saw- bond yields tick up and we saw that rotation away from growth to value continue this is the type of company that can drop to eight dollars you know very right. quickly okay. uh, and that's the situation where i'd look to to pick it up uh, right. because it is still very expensive and looking at that chart not that i'm a technical guy but it's on levels of support at the moment so if it breaks through that you could see it at eight dollars fifty eight dollars okay. pretty quickly and but good company but with great good future company. look at it then okay all right, uh, Michael Martin wants a, a view on Ansarada. I 
hadn't ever heard of yeah, this either. Yeah, this is a, a freshie for me too. Yeah, it, it was basically acquired backdoor listing, wasn't mm-hmm. it? I think uh, end of last year, software as a service provider headquartered in Sydney, offices in Chicago, London, Amsterdam, Johannesburg, Ho Chi Minh City, 140 staff. Um, basically, um, uh, enterprise software for legal and financial big end of town. That's right. So like a a data room where you can encrypt a file of sorts. You put all these documents into the file. And if you're having a discreet negotiation about a merger and acquisition, you can share certain documents with the counterparty or the other other party or military organizations can often do that as well when they've got sensitive documents at stake. So it's technology that's highly sought after. But my question is to how unique is it? There is a few of these companies out there doing a very similar thing. Um, and this business, look, they've, at least they've got revenue coming through the door. The revenue is growing, but it's not growing that rapidly for a, a high tech growth type company. Yeah. Um, they're making a loss at the moment. So it's very much in its early stage. It looks like it's in a, a space which is growing, but it's now a matter of execution for these guys uh, as well. Um, can they go out, win more and more contracts, um, get bigger clients on board? Uh, and that's a process in and of itself, commercializing the software that they've got. So mm. for me, it's too early stage and it's a no-go. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm going to agree with you again. Um, it looks really interesting. I hadn't heard of it before, but these electronic sort of data rooms, um, uh, there's definitely a need for these kinds mm. of things. But it, it comes back to just sort of having a familiarity with the sector. Well, what else is out there? What are the competing products like? Where's the edge that these guys uh, have? I'm not sure. That being said, you know, you had a look at some of their material, 18% increase in customers when they reported recently. So that's good. So more and more people are buying it. Um, uh, It looks as though there's potential there too is, you know, the hardest thing is winning the customer. Um, But then once you've got them and these products tend to be pretty sticky, um, then you you see the average revenue per user go up as well. Yeah. So you can actually get much faster growth than you than you do get in, in the growth in your customer numbers. Um, so I, I just prorated the last quarter, very rough and ready, and shares on about three times sales, which for a fast growing SaaS business, well, okay yeah. growing SaaS business, is not is not terrible. But the devil is in the detail, and I'd want to do a hell of a lot of due diligence on it. So maybe one for the watch list, but but not yet. Yeah, and that, that big spike up is when it came into the market. It was sort of a backdoor listing and mm-hmm. uh, yep. uh, raised, what, $45 million bucks at dollar forty-eight. It's, it's a good lesson, too, on not getting too sucked in in the hype on these things. Like when yep. something comes to market, I mean, not, the investment bankers are trying to sell it, right? Yep. And, and um, that's their job. That's fine. But, but so much people get so excited and again, realizing there's actually a business here that's got to execute and deliver on all of these kinds of things. A lot of the hot money falls out. So yes. I, I often just as a rule, don't go go for companies that have just listed or just no. wait for that. And I'm, I'm, I have much more patient capital, I guess I would sort of say. And I like it when a lot of that hot money leaves the register because it, it leaves. So are you glad more. you didn't get into a door beauty? Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Wait a sec. What's that done? Yeah. No. Um, yeah, no there are exceptions. <laughs> exceptions to every rule. Yeah. yeah no, that's every been, rule. Well, yeah. that's been smashed. Uh, oh, has it? Okay. Have some. Okay. So yeah. uh, it's to lost a, a lot of those early converts into the IPO. It's a great example okay. of what you were talking okay. about. Okay. Okay. All right. Let's uh, recap the first uh, five uh, stocks. Push pay. A, um, a yes from Andrew, uh, a hold from Michael, and Monodelphus, a hold from both Talgrano 
Uh, Jenison Education, a no from Andrew. Uh, Michael needs to do a lot more work. I don't, none of us had heard of it before, but it uh, looks really interesting. Uh, Next DC, a hold from Andrew, a no from Michael, and, uh, and Serata, a no from both. Uh, here on the call, we have our own fantasy portfolio. We've been tracking since the 1st of July last year, thanks to our partner, Nabtrade. Uh, any stocks that gets two thumbs up from our expert panel goes into the portfolio. If it comes up again and doesn't get unanimous approval, it then goes out. Let's see uh, how it's been doing for the week. We're up 0.3%, the month 0.2%, 29.5% since the 1st of July. Um, take a look at some of the stocks recently added. Janice Henderson Group, uh, Smart Group, TPC Consolidated, Gold Road, uh, Beta Shares, Climate Change Innovation ETF. Uh, some of the stocks removed, Family Zone, Family Zone Kogan and Harvey Norman. If you want to take a look at all the stocks in the fantasy portfolio, go to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Uh, joining us uh, just after 1pm, the Secretary of the Australian Council of Trade Unions, Sally McManus, the union body out saying that the government does not address the central issues facing Australians and Sally will tell us what those are. That's all reaction from the budget. And tomorrow on the call, we're going to dedicate the show to analyse cryptocurrencies. Yes, joining the expert panel will be Carl Kapalinga from Think Markets and Josh Gilbert from eToro. And instead of 10 stocks, our experts will shine a light on 10 crypto assets and give us their insights on whether and how should you approach investing in crypto and the decentralized finance world. The total crypto market now exceeds two and a half trillion US dollars. As you know, I'm uh, a curmudgeon, maybe. Um, more a value investor and not into cryptos, but that doesn't mean I'm not willing to learn. So it's going to be an hour of learning for me, and uh, I'll be quizzing the crypto uh, experts on just what the hell they are. Um, <laughs> are you? Oh, you! No. You've got a small holding. I've been, I've been out of this, this guy who's like this massive Bitcoin. Yeah. I, I think that there you is a hundred bucks. I think there's no. a no. That's that's you're thinking of Scott Phillips. I, oh, I, yeah. I I think there is a case to be made for some of the bigger ones, but I would say that most of this market is ridiculous and that most of it will go to zero. So okay, uh, but there's, there's I think a reasonable person can make a reasonable long term case for very for for okay. for the big ones. All right, uh, I find Michael. it hard. We've had we discussed this before. I just don't understand it enough. I find it unregulated. I, yeah. I find that being a bit of an issue. The fact that the volatility makes it an uninvestable asset class relative to other currencies or commodities. It's very difficult to point to a commodity or an asset class in history has just gone up absolutely considerably. Three million percent. Sorry, commodities, not asset or, classes. Or, or drops when yeah. Elon Musk on a comedy show says Dogecoin is just a hustle. <laughs> so it drops 30%. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then funds a rocket with it the next day. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. But I said... But then uh, I say to people, well, how are they produced? Yeah. Well, these supercomputers solve a complex algorithm and that minds you a unit. I said, okay, what does that mean? <laughs> I've no idea what that means. Do you know what I mean? I, I'll give it to you in a sentence. What, what it does is it brings, it, it, it's a trustless system. 
you don't, I don't need, usually in, in every financial transaction, I need to trust someone, be yeah. it a financial intermediary or you, or we, without yeah. trust, the whole system is, is nothing. You know, we don't operate as a society. This, this is something genuinely new in terms of the underlying technology was I can, I don't have to trust anyone. I trust in the mathematics. And it's, it's as such that it, it, it actually is, is fascinating. Most of it will go to zero. But, but something, when the dust settles, there'll be something that's, that's new there. And I think it's I understand going. blockchain and the industrial use of blockchain. I think it's revolutionary and great. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Not sure about yeah, it's over my head at this yeah. stage. And the tomorrow, volatility. It's a, rabbit, it's a rabbit hole that we could easily go down. Yeah, but tomorrow, probably at this time, we are going down the rabbit hole. <laughs> and it's probably not for curmudgeonly, uh, curmudgeon value investors. Uh, but it's going to be a lot of fun, a lot of fun. All right, let's kick off um, the second half of the call with uh, Bernie. Once of you, Andrew, on Immugene. It's a, a biotech company, develops a range of cancer immunotherapy treatments um, and has just got a, a really good write-up in the American Association for Cancer Research Journal, apparently, yeah, yeah, some- uh, on... Um, is it Hervax, H-E-R-Vax clinical trials? I think so. It's a treatment for gastric cancer. Yeah. And as I understand it, it works by trying to sort of trick or train, perhaps is a better word, the your own immune system into seeking out destroying cancer, which is really the, the, uh, yeah. the, the, the if you can do that, that, that is a big deal, um, a huge yeah. deal. And, and so I just love that there are companies out there trying to do this kind mm. of stuff. It's, and it's great. I just, you really wish them well. I wish them you? well. Yeah. I wish them well. Uh, I just yeah, don't want to be the one that, that funds them personally as an investor. Um, because it, it is um, a student of history who's ever looked at this space will know that 99% of companies in this space, all they do is eat up shareholder capital. And yeah. again, it's it's not a, a, a question of them being crooks or incompetent or anything like that. It's just we're talking about curing cancer here, right? So it's, it's probably the hardest thing out there or you know, one of. Uh, um, so, so what what you always see with these businesses is a long history of cash burn as they try and do all this R and D, raising money after money after money after money to try and support these things. I mean, the share count is up two hundred and thirty percent in five years. It's just normal for this. Spending about four million a quarter just on their R and D. Um, so, so, so it's a very it's, it's a very tough sector. Having said that, if they do hit. I mean, this is this is to the moon. He's going to make Bitcoin look really ordinary if if yeah. if this if they come out, you know, in a year or two and say, actually, we've got a really reliable cure for gastric cancer, then fantastic. But I can't work that out. Mm. So so for me, it's it's not a question of saying don't buy this. This is definitely bad. I would just sort of say extremely asymmetric, extremely risky and un- and uncertain. But but the it happens all the time. Uh, a good result comes out. You know the message boards light up. Oh, they've got this thing, and it's really great. And people yeah. start to, and it's it's all hype and speculation. And it gets to a point where it's just rationality goes out the window. And I'm not saying that's the case with Bernie whatsoever, but but for most people, it tends to be in the retail yes. space. So, you know, good luck if it's for you. It's yeah. not for me. Okay. Yeah, interesting company. Like amazing sort of technology that they're they're looking to prove successful, um, essentially looking to activate the immune system of cancer sufferers. Like it's pretty impressive stuff, right? As opposed to introducing foreign bodies into the body, you activate the immune system and then the person's own body fights the the, the tumor growth. Sort of of Um, tell your body how how to fight it. That's right. So 
Stage two clinical trials. Um, again, I'm not sure exactly how many stages. I think normally there's three stages. Um, they've been promising thus far. They've got some, some good write-ups, but there's still a long, long way to go. Um, and do not for a second forget that if this does not be, if this isn't turning out to be successful, this thing could be back at two cents, yeah. one cent very quickly. So just understand the risk reward trade-off at stake and understand that there's a lot of steps to go in this process until this company is making money from this technology. It could be literally decades. So mm. just be careful, be prepared to keep injecting more and more money into it as they continue to, to raise more and more money. Uh, it's a, a noble cause and I hope they're successful, but it's a long, long process to go through yeah. until they are a profitable and yeah, money-making yeah. company. I think, was it you, Andrew, that a couple of weeks ago said all of these companies if you want to, if if you genuinely want to support them, have a little portfolio of four or five of them. Yeah, bucket. Yeah. Yeah, bucket. Put in money that is your high risk money, is your punting money, if you like, mm. um, and sort of stick with it. But understand what you're getting into. It's kind of like VC investing. So yeah. VCs yeah. know that you know ninety percent. So I invest in startups, and I'm. Oh. I've invested in five and yep. one's done really well, three going okay, did my shirt on, on yeah. the And, on and, the and that's, that's t totally, in fact, that's actually yeah. better than most, you know, yeah. for, for most it's sort of 80% failure rate as well. Yeah. So, but that's actually okay because you can only lose 100%, but if you, yeah. if the one that hits can go up, you know, 50X, it more than makes yes. it worthwhile. So just so, don't, don't put all your eggs so in one basket. Mentality. Yeah, yeah, and, that, and that's the mentality you need. Okay. Uh, Michael Chen wants a view on Volpara, mm -hmm. uh, SaaS company providing Breast imaging analytics um, analysis products that improve clinical decision making in early detection of, uh, of breast cancer. Again, fantastic uh, technology uh, has just recently been granted a patent in the US to uh, protect Volpara Enterprise and Volpara Live software, which is a good step forward for them. Yeah, this is a again a great business that you hope is successful. Effectively uses AI to scan breasts, um, uh, breast images um, to identify breast cancer. So rather than relying on the, the, the trained eye, so to speak, and relying on human error or exposing yourself to human error, this is basically a software as a service piece of software which can be used to identify any blemishes on that breast image. Yeah. So the whole point now is, again, building awareness um, amongst the, the diagnostics and, and medical community and, and increasing the take-up. Uh, and by nature, many clinicians and, and many doctors tend to be fairly conservative in nature. So that's not turning out to be an easy process, despite the technology seemingly doing a very good job um, at what it says it sh should be doing. So look, for me, it's, it's hard because the sales of the core product um, haven't been really living up to expectations. And that's why the company's lost momentum, but if they can start to build up that commercialization and that sales process, then there's no reason why this company can't do wonderful things because okay. its application is not only here in Australia, but around the world, yeah. anyone can use it. Yeah, okay. Not at the moment. Not right? at the moment, just because and it's lacking momentum. I, yeah, I, I, it's another great Kiwi company. Um, and this it's not as early stage as, as most in this sort of space. So these guys actually have been growing like the clappers. Yeah. I, I forget the exact figure. I was just trying to look it up quickly then, but something like, let's say one in three, one in four breast um, scans in the US 
actually go through this technology. Right. So they've got a real serious foothold in the largest, most profitable medical market you know, in the world. Um, I think there is a long way to run here. Annual recurring revenue up 172% in the year just ended, um, which, is, which is great. The 83% gross margin, it's just really nice. And of all the things that AI um, is, is hoped to be able to do, the, the, the area which isn't even speculation anymore, it's actually where it's actually delivering very, very real outcomes, is in image, image recognition. Mm. That's, AI is great at that kind of stuff. So Prometic is doing some stuff on that as well, to mention another medical yeah. imaging uh, company that, that I've got shares in. Um, uh, so I actually love the company. I've loved it for a long, long time. I haven't loved the price though. So they're on 13 times their annualized recurring revenue. So it's, um, I, I think it's right. They've got the momentum. They've got the funding. They've got, uh, they've got some good cash flows, not yet profitable, but there's a very clear trajectory there. So it's actually getting much closer to my fair value, which I think last time I did, it was about $1.19 a share. So it's, it's no. I'm actually going to go out here and say it's, it's, it's a buy for a long-term investor right. perspective. Who knows what happens in the next year or so. But I, I think if they can continue that momentum, the, the, the hardest thing with, um, you see a lot of tech companies sort of say, how are we going to the US? And it's a huge market. Mm -hmm. And finally, we can win so much. Yeah, you yeah. know, it's like, if, you know, everyone in China bought my product, I'd make a squillion dollars. Well, yes. But they've actually they've actually got a real foothold there, and there's real momentum. And and when the sales team rings up a new hospital and sort of says, "Hey, we're a little Kiwi company. We've got no reference sites. You know, do you want to give us a try?" It's very hard. But yeah. when you sort of say, "Oh, the Mayo Clinic and this and that are using it, and there's one in three. It's that old saying that no one got fired for well, what's the saying? No one got fired for, for buying IBM. For buying IBM, yeah, you know. Yeah. And it's just it, it it means that you genuinely do get real traction okay. there. So right. I, I like it, but okay. but it's it's not it's, it's certainly not cheap. I, I, think, I think the investors at the moment have to be just cautious that there is this dynamic going on in markets where these extremely fully priced companies, such as. Volpara um, are getting repriced. And we're seeing that, I think Match 7 is another one that's come up on this show a couple of yeah. times yeah. and things like Whisper. So these businesses aren't really doing anything wrong. They're still doing wonderful numbers, but they've been priced on many, many multiples of revenue. And in this situation where we're getting that's high PE, high growth stocks repriced, doesn't really matter what the company is doing. Yeah. You're just getting valuations, yeah. enterprise value, the sales all adjusted accordingly. Although, although what is funny though, you see a lot of, when, when it is flying high, people go, oh, geez, what a yeah. I'd love to buy it. If it drops to X, I'll buy yeah. it. And then guess what? It drops to X and you go, oh, it's falling. I just, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So it's kind of like, well, so, yeah, you know like what you wish for. Uh, fair value, $1.19 is getting down there, so you're going to look at it. supposes a lot of growth, yeah. but if that's yeah. what you believe, yes, and as, as Michael rightly said, the business hasn't really heard. No. It's, it's the market, the yeah. perception that has changed. Okay. All right, we've got to pick up the pace a bit. James wants to view uh, Andrew on Top Shelf International, a Melbourne-based producer and marketer of high-quality Australian spirit-based beverages. Yeah. Um, and I had really heard of this. There's sort of a little seven top shelf. Uh, Mighty Craft is another one in that area as well. Yeah, I'm just going to quickly shelf? look up the daily volume of shares. There's been 50 trades through the market today. This right. is hyper liquid. So right. it's, it's only listed very recently, a relatively very small company. By the way, I'm, I'm, I look, I, I'm not Warren Buffett. I don't have billions and billions of dollars to invest. So it's, it's if, if, if you're like me and you're a very small fish, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but be aware that it does tend to exaggerate the volatility. Right. 
uh, and, you, and you definitely need to be a very patient investor for these kinds of businesses. It only listed in December last year. It's Ned Whiskey and Grain Shaker Vodka, plus something I hadn't heard of before. I hope I pronounced this right, agave spirit. Yes. Which is uh, saying, saying my, my daughter-in-law is Mexican. I know all about a garden. Oh, okay. <laughs> is it a bit like tequila? Or? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's related to tequila. It's not tequila, but it's um, an alternative. Oh, interesting. To tequila. Well, they've got a farm up in Queensland oh, uh, to, okay. to grow this kind right. of stuff. And look, it's, it's, it's an interesting business. Um, they had a very strong third quarter. Uh, revenue is up 121%. Again, a very low base here. But this is a business that is that is spending a lot of money to get scale. Yeah. And it's also a business which operates in an extraordinarily competitive market. You go to yeah. Dan Murphy's and look at the whiskey yeah. shelf, there's yeah. a gazillion out there, yeah. you know? And so we, so it's so it's it's largely a marketing operation yeah. too, and it's all about distribution. Um, and then it's also a business or an industry that doesn't have the highest margins as well. So I'm I'm cognizant of, okay. of all of that. So a bit too early. I wish them well. I'll be keen yeah. to try some of the whiskey at some point, but that's about as far as I go with my research. <laughs> it's surprising. There's actually a lot of Australian companies starting to emerge in all this boutique alcohol yeah. space, whether it's beer or gin or there's yeah. a, a whiskey company down in Tasmania that got best whiskey in the world. So like, yeah. there's obviously a market for this sort of stuff, um, this niche niche branding. But the question is, what is the sustainable long-term advantage? Once the consumer tastes and fashions evolve, will they still be in a position to to benefit? Uh, because it's not a, a go-to household name like Johnny Walker or Chivas Regal, yeah. which can sell globally in, in immense volumes. So for mine, I, I steer clear of this company for a couple yeah. of reasons. It's, it's illiquid, it's emerging, uh, and I don't see what its moat is long-term. Okay. All right, Sue wants a view, Michael, on iSelect, the big yep. digital financial services insurance. Yeah, so it's one of these platforms uh, where you go online and you put in, you want insurance or car insurance, health insurance, and it'll yep. come back to you with a series of quotes from all the different providers. Super easy software to use, but again, there's a lot of different competitors out there. And I, I, I struggle to see long-term how you maintain that position when you, although you might be a first mover, you might not have a completely dominant market share position. So there's compare the market, there's all these different yeah. types, uh, finder, et cetera. So look there, I think probably explains it where the <laughs> that, growth that numbers haven't yep. been coming through, their revenues have been in decline, uh, their trail commissions have been falling. So from my perspective, it's a, a sell. I know we're short on time, so I'll just I'll just repeat yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. All right. Our final stock, uh, Andrew's motorcycle holdings. Bruno wants uh, a view on that, and um, you know, obviously, as the um, the name suggests, uh, it's in motorcycle sales um, increased fifty one percent in the first three months of the calendar year. Um, yeah. and uh, demand continues to run strongly in 2021. Dealerships are a fascinating business. Yeah. There's something that, that at first glance probably look awful, but there, there's actually some really nice economics uh, uh, there. And we've seen um, with the other major car, AP Eagers and AHG before that. Um, so, so it is a very interesting business. It is, though, of course, one that is highly cyclical as well. Yeah. So it, it's it's something that when it, we're all got a little bit extra money and we're all going through a midlife crisis and buying our motorbikes, then yeah. great. You know, it's it's and it's a wonderful thing. Fall, falling off the Harley and breaking your shoulder. <laughs> 
most of the mates <laughs> exactly. I know went through their midlife crisis and <laughs> it toppled over at the traffic lights. <laughs> <laughs> they're hard to ride. They're oh, heavy. Yeah, they're they're heavy. heavy things. Uh, my wife just won't let me. So I'll never be a customer, unfortunately. But um, uh, yeah, look, I, I think they're expecting some really good growth this year. Sixty-five yes. percent, and the P is about eleven. Yeah. So it seems it seems really cheap. Just be aware of that cyclical. It's uh, I need to do more research. I, I would say uh, a cautious uh, buy, perhaps. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, Michael, are you a never. Are you a motorbike rider? Uh, only a few times in Bali or Thailand. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> ridden the, the couple off, bike, actually, okay. or not ridden them off, but scratched the side. You know, they start to they fall and tip over on you. But um, this particular company, I hadn't heard of them. Um, there's definitely some examples of these types of dealerships being successful in cars. So there's yeah. no reason why motorbikes wouldn't be the same over time. However, this particular company, they've seen decent revenue growth, but I do worry about that COVID factor. Um, everyone's gone out, treated themselves to a new car, a new motorbike. Will that big pickup in sales be maintained? Um, leading into this year, the sales per share have actually been pretty stagnant which implies although the revenue has been growing, it's been more of a roll-up model where they go and they acquire new ah, right. sites or, or whatever it may be, and then they might yeah. increase the volume of bikes sold, but their, their costs and are they're going And they're on the hunt for more them. acquisitions. That's too, right. right. So from my perspective, I'll probably steer clear okay. just for now. Um, and once they establish themselves maybe uh, and, and stabilize with their acquisition path, then that could be worth having a look at. Okay, let's recap the final five stocks. Imogene, a no from both Michael and Andrew. Uh, Balparo, uh, a long-term buy from um, from Andrew, no, from Michael, top shelf, no, isolate, no. Uh, motorcycle Holdings, a cautious buy from Andrew, and a no, from Michael. Uh, Andrew Page from Strawman, good to see you. Thanks. Well, check Thanks out Strawman. It's uh, a fabulous uh, platform, like uh, an investor club, and everyone swaps information and things like that. It's really interesting reading. Check Michael Wayne from Medallion Financial. Thank you very Great much. To see you too, mate. Have uh, a good rest of the week. Uh, if you've got any stocks you'd like us to put to our expert panel, put them in an email to us, the call at osbiz.com.au, or tweet us using the at TV handle. A reminder all the stocks in the calls portfolio, head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. And if you want a wrap up of the day in markets, business, finance, you've got to subscribe to the COB newsletter. You get Scuddy's view, you get a link to the podcast, also links to the most popular videos on the platform, interviews, analysis, and subscribe at osbiz.co forward slash the COB. And coming up this afternoon, we continue our budget coverage with Jonathan Malone from PWC as we discuss the tax implications of the 2021 budget, what it means for investors. Jonathan is on at 3 p.m. And uh, a lot for the startup community and digital community, innovation as well. That will be covered on the Startup Daily Show at 2 p.m. So uh, what's happening here on Ausbiz? We'll be back after the break.